Hey, Spring Branch. Good morning. Good to see you, July 21st, 2019. I believe that this day will not just be another Sunday, but it could be the day where God changes your life forever. How about that start of the message? <laughs> yeah. The past few weeks have been just really, really fun. The fruit of the Spirit. Uh, what kind of fruit can God produce in our lives? It's pretty exciting, right? When we start planting seeds of faith instead of seeds of fear, when we start living God's way instead of our way, and these seeds, man, they start coming up, and we start seeing some love and some joy and some peace and patience in our lives. And only God can produce it, right? His Holy Spirit at work within us. Well, today we're going to be talking about kindness, as Michael mentioned earlier, kindness. Let's read together our anchor passage for this series of conversations, Galatians 5.22. It's this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. This is what he says. But the fruit, let's say it together. How about that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the word fruit, we talked about it, is the Greek word karpos, and it's this uh, singular tense, right? It's this uh, uh, singular meaning where we have an all-access pass, this behind-the-scenes VIP pass to all the good stuff. And it's really just one, one fruit. It's not fruits of the Spirit, but we've got many flavors, and the Holy Spirit can produce all of that in our lives. Kindness, kindness is our topic today. Last week, I preached on patience, and the bottom line was Patience is, patience is a payment to prepare us for the promise, right? Patience is a payment to prepare us for God's promise. And what is God's promise? Uh, it may be materialistic, it may be monetary, but it may not be. But if we start filling our bucket with patience, if we start planting seeds of faith, it will come up and we'll become a patient person and we'll become more like Jesus, that's what we all want, right? It's to be more like the most wonderful, the most incredible person who ever walked the face of this earth, Jesus. Last week, I had a chance to talk to somebody after the service, and uh, her name was Julie, and she was so excited to show me a picture on her phone. It was a picture of a kayak. And so we started talking about it, and she was so excited to give my son a kayak. You see, I had mentioned during the message that you know, he was saving money for a kayak, and you know, we've all got to uh, make payments along the way. We've got to be patient and wait, even though it's hard, and then at some point, we'll reap the reward, right? And so I mentioned it during the message, and she remembered it, and she invited us over to her house on Monday, and there we are, Rhett and I, driving home with a kayak. And we had a life jacket and a survival kit and all this stuff. And Julie was just filled with joy. She was, she was so excited to give it to us. She was just incredibly kind and tender. And I thought to myself, my daughter is saving money for a boat. Um, so, you know, I'm not, not sure if you caught that, but I just want to throw it out there. So we can talk afterwards. But... Um, but it was such a great example of kindness to me um, last week. Kindness in the Greek is the word krestotes. Everybody say krestotes. It's a, say that this week and you'll really impress somebody. It means fit for use, fit for use. Giving something of value to someone else. 
just like Julie gave us something of value. It was sitting in her closet, uh, but even though it was sitting in her closet, it had some dust on it, she saw great value in it, and she gave it to us. And she saw that we were of great value to her. You know, the word Christotes appears in the book of Ezekiel, too, and it, it comes in the form of a word precious, precious gemstones. It's something precious, like words that we can give to someone. Maybe it's time that we can give to somebody. Some of the best, best gifts we can give somebody is just our time. Maybe it's treasure, it's just money. Whatever it is, we have it in our possession and we have an opportunity to not hold on to it tightly, but to give it away generously. To see that all that we have is not ours, it's God's anyway. So the heart of kindness is giving something of value to someone else because we see that someone has value. You know, the other week, Eric, our student ministry director, gave me this old, dirty, rusty shovel. And I'm like, wow, thanks, man, I guess. Uh, but upon further examination, down on the blade, it says groundbreaking. I think it says Spring Branch Community Church. I see a number in there, a nine in there. Anything ringing a bell for those of you who've been around for a while. This was the shovel that broke ground for this beautiful facility that we get to worship in every week. Pretty amazing. So upon further examination, this shovel has great value. It's not just some wood and some metal. You know, on first glance, there's rust and dirt, but man, put to use, this shovel can do pretty amazing things. And sometimes when we look at our lives, we see dirt, we see dust, we see rust. Maybe something happened to us. Maybe something occurred to us at some point that caused hurt and regret and shame. And we allow our past to define us. Whatever that is in a room this size, I think we all can agree that, man, sometimes it just feels like we're just carrying around that stuff and we can't move on and move forward with who God wants us to be. But here's the reality is that we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. He doesn't see the rust. He doesn't see the dirt. He doesn't see the dust. He looks past our past and he gives us grace for the future. His mercies are new every day. And he sees us, he sees us having great value. He sees great value in us and he wants us to be fit for use. He sees us as precious in his sight and he wants to use us as his instrument, his instrument of kindness to others. No matter what has happened, no matter how we view ourselves, we have great potential. What's important is that we realize that it's not just coming to church at a certain time at a certain place with certain people. I'm so glad you're here, by the way. So glad you showed up in the middle of July. Here's the truth, that God desires our mercy more than our sacrifice. Well, what's that mean? He desires us to come to church and, and pay a tithe and, you know, volunteer and check our boxes, but more than anything, he wants to see kindness in our lives. He wants to see joy in our lives, peace, patience, all the fruit. But oftentimes there's this gap. There's this huge gap between what we say we believe and what we actually do. 
what we say we believe and what we actually do. See, what we do is evidence of what we say we believe. Are you with me? The proof is in the pudding. You can tell a good tree by its good fruit. And so when we're kind to others, especially to others who are our enemies, especially to others who have hurt us, who have offended us, others that don't look like us or talk like us or we can't relate to them, people that interrupt our agenda or interfere with where we're going, those people, even those people, okay? Even those people we can be kind to. See, Jesus says, be kind to your enemies. Yes, even those people who rub you the wrong way. How is this possible? How is this possible to be kind to others, even those who've offended us? We can close the gap little by little every day when we spend time with Jesus. Remember that verse, John 15, 5, I am the true vine. If man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But when we're connected to him, he is our source of strength and patience and kindness. And we can close that gap and what we do could be consistent with what we say we believe. Second Corinthians 6, 6, Paul says, we prove ourselves, we prove ourselves by our purity, not our weekly attendance, though we would love for you to come every week and sit in these seats. Our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, and by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. Did you catch that? It's the Holy Spirit, his power at work within us that can empower us to be kind towards others. So how can we live a fruitful life? How can we bear fruit? How can we carry fruit? How can we live a life that demands an explanation when the world around us is bitter, resentful, quick to anger, quick to judge? How can we stick out and be a bright light shining in a dark place? How can we be a city on a hill? How can we demonstrate another level of kindness? Only through Jesus in following his example, you see, he was the most, he was the kindest person who ever walked the face of this earth. So it's by his example, the more we understand his kindness, the more we can be kind towards others. You see, he gave us the most precious, most valuable gift. And it wasn't precious gemstones. It was so much more than that. Let's, let's read a story about how Jesus displayed his kindness. I spent about an hour looking through the Gospels. There's so many examples of Jesus being kind to others, especially to others who were looked down upon, especially to others who were rejected, sort of the scum of the earth in the eyes of the world. But we're going to be talking about the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 29. So let's flip there together. The words will be up on the screen. Here we go. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Before we move on, let's just get this Sunday school song out of our head, okay? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Don't let me sing a solo. Let me just sing. Come on. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. Okay, that's not. Um, now we got out of our system, we can move on, okay? Um, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Some of you are like, never heard that song before, you're not church people, you're like, what kind of place is this? Stop singing. 
Um, he's entered Jericho. Jericho was known to be a, a, a central location for tax collection. So if you, were, if you were on your way to Jerusalem, you had to go through Jericho. So don't make eye contact, right? Walk briskly, you know? But this is where Zacchaeus lived. And Zacchaeus was Jewish, but he was working for the Roman government. So he was not very well liked. He didn't have many fans, didn't have many followers on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he was seen by the Jews, by God's people, as just low on the totem pole, kind of scum. He was rejected. He was seen as inferior. He was seen as unclean because he was cheating people. He was skimming too much off the top and he was pocketing all this extra money. He was charging people too much and he became very, very wealthy on account of other people, people like, like us. And so there's Jesus walking towards Jerusalem. And where's Jesus going? He's going towards Jerusalem. If you read through the gospels, why, why is he going to Jerusalem? The cross, the cross is there, that's his destination. That was his goal. That was the promise that God had for him. And so he was making payments along the way in order to get to the destination, the promise that he wanted us to all experience. And that was forgiveness. He was about ready to die for many, many people, including us. But along the way, he made time for one particular person, a tax collector who was hated and loathed by many. He was the chief tax collector. This guy was in charge of many, many other tax collectors, and he became very, very rich. And he was trying to get a look at Jesus, verse 3, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, he said, quit, come down. I'm coming to your house today. Sorry, I can't resist. I must be a guest in your home today. See, it's scriptural. You can invite yourself over to somebody's house, especially if they have a boat, you know, if they're good at cooking steak on the grill. Go ahead and invite yourself over. Jesus did it. He was trying to get a look at Jesus. The word trying here implies just doing whatever it takes. It wasn't just this one kind of act of effort. It was over and over again Zacchaeus is trying to figure out any possible way to lay eyes on Jesus. And by the way, the, the two stories before this story was when Jesus healed the beggar, the blind beggar on the side of the road. And the story before that was when Jesus forgave the tax collector, maybe even one of Zacchaeus' buddies, partners in crime. And so word by mouth traveled fast by then, back then. And so Zacchaeus finds himself catching wind that this Jesus who healed that beggar and who forgave that tax collector like him, this Jesus was, was coming. He was coming through Jericho. And Zacchaeus has got shivers. He's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? He was, he was investigating and examining. That's what this word trying means. It's every possible way to lay eyes on Jesus. And this word uh, to, to get a look here means not just laying eyes on somebody physically, but actually experiencing somebody in your heart. It was this heart kind of sight. Heard that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord? That's what Zacchaeus' hope was, is that his, the eyes of his heart would be open. That was how passionate he was to see Jesus. Let's pause here for a second. 
I don't know why you came here this morning. Maybe it's a ritual. Maybe it's a, tra- a tradition. Maybe it's a boxy check. Maybe it's something you do to feel better about what you did last night. I don't know. Maybe you came here with 110% pure motives. But whatever reason you came here this morning, what drives us and motivates us is so important. How passionate are you to lay eyes on Jesus, not just sing songs, not just say words, not just go through the motions, but not just on Sundays, but every morning before your feet hit the ground, how excited, how childlike are you in your wonder and curiosity to experience Jesus, to lay eyes on him? Zacchaeus had that within him and Jesus recognized it. He took notice, he took notice. And he said, come down from that tree, Zacchaeus. And he said his name, the very first thing he said, Zacchaeus. And it wasn't this kind of degrading, bullying kind of tone that he used with this guy. It was gentle and it was tender, like he was talking to his son, his long lost son. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I see you there, buddy, my son. Come down from that tree, Zacchaeus. See, it's not what we say, it's how we say it. I was talking to Lindsay the other day and uh, I, 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 I was so sure that I said something to her. I'm like, I wish I were recorded it. I know this has been a shadow of doubt what I said to you. She's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I did. She said, it's not what you say, everybody with me, it's how you say it, right? So kindness is in our tone, kindness is in our our nonverbal communication, it's uh, how we posture ourselves towards people. Um, Every little moment, how we communicate with others is an opportunity to show them something different, some kindness. And Zacchaeus heard Jesus' tone, it was tender, it was gentle, it was forgiving, it wasn't judgmental, it wasn't condemning. He wasn't, though he was looking up to Zacchaeus, he wasn't looking down on him. And there's Zacchaeus and no wonder he races down from that tree Jesus wanted to spend time with him. I must spend time with you. It was, he was on a mission. It is necessary for me to spend time with you, Zacchaeus. You see, kindness loves others not because of what they do, but because of who they are. Kindness loves others not because of what they do, but because of who they are. Kindness does not require perfect obedience. Kindness does not require agreement with someone's performance. Kindness is agreeing with God and who God sees the other person. How God sees the other person, other person's made in his image, right? We've all been made by our creator. We've all been fearfully and wonderfully made handcrafted by our creator. He knit us together in our mother's womb. None of us are accidents. We are here on purpose. None of us are mass produced. God hand selected us to be born in a certain place with a certain people to be right here in this moment. And we are made in his image. We are precious in his sight. He knows every hair on our head. We are his sons and his daughters, his children. That's how he sees us. We are his beloved. Do you see others that way? That changes everything. Despite their disobedience, despite their lack of performance, despite them falling in line with your expectations, that's irrelevant. Yes, there's a time for discipline, a time for punishment. That's why we pray for God's wisdom, how to balance grace and truth. 
grace isn't condoning bad behavior. It's loving somebody so much that, that good behavior just happens. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But kindness loves others for who they are, not for what they do. Bob Goff wrote this book called Everybody Always, and he talks about his daughter who's a teacher, and his daughter has a new way of grading her students, and she's got the A and the B, but she doesn't have an F for failing. She has an N, which means not yet. This child has not yet grasped this concept. I love it, because it implies a journey, it implies a process, and it implies some hope, right? We've not yet arrived. Even Paul the apostle said, I have not arrived. We are all works in progress. All of us, in God's eyes, receive a not yet grade because we live on this side of heaven. None of us are perfect. But because of his son Jesus, he sees his son in us and we are forgiven and yes, we are perfect because we're, we're, we're overwhelmed by his grace. We have a fresh start, new beginning every day. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're, you're a piece of work. You're, you're a work in progress, you know? That's what Paul means by the word workmanship. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That word workmanship means work in progress. It means piece of work. It means masterpiece. We're not perfect. Stop trying to meet people at the finish line. Meet people at the starting line. We're all the starting line. We're all on this journey trying to figure it out. We're all under construction. We're all in training. So stop trying to heap all these expectations on other people, expecting them to be at the finish line. We're all works in progress, trying to figure it out. Be gentle towards others, gracious towards others, kind towards others, because you don't know their backstory. You don't know their, what they've been through. We're all hypocrites, you know? We all are at the end of the day, trying to, trying to follow God. It's a good thing he's perfect. And he gives us grace every day. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, verse 6, and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. These Pharisees, these religious people who are all about the laws and all, all about these heavy expectations. The people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Ah, that's disgusting. But he had labeled Zacchaeus. They were defining him by his behavior. They didn't agree with his behavior. And so they defined him that way, and so they refused to be kind to him. They grumbled in disgust. But kindness reminds others of their value, even when the world tells them they are worthless, just like that shovel. Maybe you think about your past, your worst moment. Guess what? God was at his best. God died, through, God through Jesus died for your worst moment, past, present, and future. You are not defined by our past. You can be refined by it. It doesn't define you. Stop labeling yourself. Stop allowing other people to label and define you based on that thing that you did years ago. Kindness reminds others of their value even when the world tells them they are worthless. You know, a few years ago, one moment in high school, one moment early on in college, I screwed up big time. I wasn't willing to be patient with the process and I was busy and I was rushing ahead 
in school, and I cheated. Took a shortcut. I was feeling the pressure, and I cheated on a test, cheated on a paper. And I found myself just full of guilt and shame, just rock bottom emotionally. I looked myself in the mirror and just felt worthless. But I thank the Lord today for my friend Ben, who saw potential in me. He saw me up in that tree, just like Zacchaeus. And I was broken, I was shattered. I was feeling rejected and alone, but he saw potential in me and he called me down from that tree and he invited me into a relationship with him and he, he and I played ping pong together and he just had lunch with me. He's like, Heath, God forgives you, I do too. Sin no more, but I forgive you because God forgave me, I'm gonna forgive you. You see, the extent that we can be kind to others is the extent that we understand the great, deep, wide kindness of God. If our kindness towards others is very narrow and limited, it's because our understanding of God's kindness towards us is, is, is narrow and limited. So allow yourself every day, whatever it takes, to just soak up God's kindness for you. Because guess what? It's just going to boil over and you'll find yourself just instinctually being kind to others, even others who have wronged you or offended you, who you have reason to shame or to look down upon or condemn. Zacchaeus hung out with Jesus. And by the way, Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't stand on top of a box and yell through a bullhorn, turn or burn. He didn't shove a Bible down Zacchaeus' throat. Jesus just hung out with Zacchaeus. He just spent time with him. I don't know what they talked about. The next thing we know, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Ho! He dropped the mic and walked away. Wow. Mosaic law only required to pay people back two times. But Zacchaeus was so convicted and Zacchaeus was so stirred up by God's unconditional love for him that he just exploded in kindness and generosity. And he's like, I'm going to pay back four times what I've cheated people. Jesus is like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. And Zacchaeus' life was changed. It was transformed. And he said, Jesus said, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, a man of great faith. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Salvation came to Zacchaeus that day. He was lost, but he'd been found. He was blind, but now he sees. He was deaf, but now he hears. The old had passed away and the new had come. He was new in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He was a new man. You see, kindness doesn't force others to change, but loves in a way that makes others want to change. Kindness doesn't force you to change. It loves you in such a way that makes you want to change. Too often, Leo Biscaglia, author, says, too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear. 
an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. If you think about a little seed, a little seed is so, so small, don't us, underestimate the power of a little seed. Don't underestimate the power of one encouraging word. Don't underestimate the power of one act of kindness towards others. Because that one little seed could produce a lifetime of fruit in somebody else. We can be kind towards others in such a way that loves them and draws them into relationship with Jesus. Romans 2.4, Paul says, don't you see Spring Branch? Don't you see Eric, Kelly? Don't you see Lindsay? Jason, insert your name there. Don't you see, don't you get it? How wonderfully kind, how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? A translation that you've heard often is that his kindness leads us to repentance. Just as we've talked about, when you're driving 64 West, and you have this experience of God's love for you, it causes you to repent. It causes you to turn around, do a 180 about face, and you go 64 east because you want to live God's way instead of your way. That's what repentance means. It means so stirred up by God's passionate, unconditional love for you that you just want to change. You want to live for him. Kindness doesn't force others to change, but loves in a way that makes others want to change. Over the last few weeks, you've noticed a trend. We've had uh, some, some, some folks uh, from the congregation, uh, from the Spring Branch family, come up and share about what a particular fruit means to them. So this morning, we have an honor and privilege to hear from my good friend, Joe Caldwell. Joe, come on up. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thanks for being willing to share a little bit. I asked Joe to talk about kindness, and his first word to me was, I'm not a kind person, uh, which I would 100% disagree with. I appreciate your, your humility, uh, but I've seen God's kindness through you towards me in so many ways, so thanks for being willing to talk about it. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so he texted me, and I was in my living room with Maggie and Jonathan, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> um, and there was general agreement that I'm unqualified uh, to talk about it, and then Maggie actually looked it up, looked the definition or something, and there was a couple of what synonyms or whatever that's just like, oh, you know, you are kind. So we discovered that I'm kind <laughs> uh, because of you. So thank you. I appreciate that. So what, what is kindness? As you think about what that means, uh, how would you define it? All right. So there are a lot of you right here that um, Maggie and I all the time uh, have conversations with you guys, and, and you know who these people are, where after they walk away or you walk, you walk away, you're like, wow, what would it be like to be that nice? You know, these people are, they're just kind and nice and decent people, and I don't, I would say I experience them that way. They are kind and nice. I don't think that I'm, I, I don't know exactly, but I don't think I come off like that in most interactions where people are walking away going, oh, what a sweetheart, uh, or something like that. <laughs> I haven't but, thought about the word sweetheart, yeah, but I um, you know, thought you were kind of... But I, so to me, <laughs> as I think about it, I think there are those people around us that, are, that just, they come off like that all the time. Uh, but for me, I think there's a lot of choice involved uh, with kindness. 
there's a decision to be made uh, with regard to acting that way. And so I don't know if it's a bad definition, but I would say kindness, at least in my angle, is, is yeah. a choice because I don't think it's natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you mentioned encouragement to me earlier, and I think that's what it means. It's putting courage to other people to be all that God made them to be through, through kindness. Andy Stanley um, said that kindness is loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. I thought that was really That's cool. profound. But when you think about your, your life and maybe there was a moment where you felt like Zacchaeus rejected and forgotten and just, um, you know, tell me about that and just uh, if there was a person or a set of people that came along and, and encouraged you. Yeah. Right, so when he asked that question, uh, one of the first things in addition to the I'm not kind and then not responding to his text for hours. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Maggie and I came up with a list of all of you good, kind people that I was gonna send to him instead. But uh, some of that was fueled because I, I had a memory that, that came back of a particularly unkind moment uh, that I authored. Uh, I, I was absolutely just horrific uh, to a guy in a work setting a long, long time ago. Just awful, and so it made me feel rusty and dirty and old uh, and unqualified or noticing the gap between what I believe and who I want to be. And so I, I was thinking about that, but then right on the heels of that, um, my wife mentioned it actually as, as we were talking about it. Um, the moment that I came to faith, uh, I was sitting in a Spring Branch service and I had been coming for a while and, and had heard Michael articulate the gospel so well and I understood the claims of Jesus and the story um, but I also knew that it was for you guys and not for me because, well, I'm me and I'm, I'm bad, uh, just rotten. And um, in this one service, they were doing communion, and as the little plate thing with the communion wafers on it came by, I actually reached out and grabbed one, kind of like a test. You know, like, would it burn if I touched it? <laughs> um, I, I mean it. I was, that's really, really what I was thinking. I mean, I was, I was wicked, and I knew it. Um, but I grabbed it, and when I took a hold of it, I had a series of images go through my mind, a, a lot of different moments and, and things that had happened in my life. And most of them were the faces of people who had been extraordinarily kind to me throughout my life. Uh, there was a man, Mr. Connell, who built a basketball hoop, uh, glass backboard, breakaway rim, paved the, the driveway real nice so kids in the neighborhood could come and have a place to hang out. And his wife would cook after school and we would eat like crazy and play basketball at his house. Mm. And he set up the uh, snack bar at the baseball field and did the scores table. And he just, in the background, made safe places for people. And he was kind. And he, mm. his, his wife, they were so kind to me. And they were in my mind in the moment of my salvation. Tom, a guy I went to high school with that I didn't know until later, but his face came into me in that moment. He was a Christian. You know, he was different than everyone that I was around. I just didn't know exactly why, but in that moment, he came to me like that. A woman who asked me repeatedly when I was in college to come to some sort of Christian group, and I would just laugh like, there's no way your group could have me. Um, but in the moment of my salvation where God grabbed me and changed my life forever, it was the kindness of people mm. when way before I mm. had anything to do with this, that God was active in my life through these things. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's an example right now, just as a dad or as a husband, or I know you volunteer here at Spring Branch in many ways, just uh, describe a time 
maybe recently, where you're able to extend God's kindness towards somebody else. How that impact you? How that impact somebody else? Where I was. Yeah. Mm, boy. Um, <laughs> you know, re recently, uh, Maggie and Jonathan were actually volunteering, and I. I was able to find a way to participate in something as an act of kindness towards people who were volunteering and serving. Um, where I couldn't be there to do the work of it, I was able to find a way to participate and, and, and try to give something to recognize volunteers. And um, It was a little thing, and it was, wasn't anything major, but it was a way for me to participate and a choice that I could make. And, um, I hope it was nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've felt God's kindness through you, just through encouraging text messages. Maybe it's a prayer or scripture verse or a hug or just a real genuine, you know, a question. Uh, hey, Heath, how you doing? How, how you really doing? And how can I pray for you? Um, so I appreciate appreciate you being being kind towards me and, and my family. What's one word of challenge that you, you'd give all of us uh, before you go? Right. So has anybody noticed that there's a little bit of tension in the world lately? Right, there's a lot of things people are not agreeing on and just tension. It's in my home, it's in your home, it's at your work, it's just all around us. And I would say, like long ago, when I had a particular moment of unkindness towards someone else, I don't know if I even had the capacity for true, genuine kindness back then. I mean, I was from a good family and I, you know, I, I wasn't raised as a monster or something, so we all have some basic you know, goodness within us somewhere, I guess, kicking around or we learn. But I know that since the Lord got a hold of my life, my capacity, like yours, the capacity to display the fruit that Heath has been teaching us about, our capacity is absolutely unlimited because we have an absolutely unlimited God who lives inside of us and who walks with us every day. Amen, and so amen. looking into this world... Amen. Do you think this world needs some kindness? Do you think someone out there is aching to have an expression of God's love and care for them? And could it be you? You don't lack anything. I don't lack anything because of the spirit of God who is in us. So let's do it, Spring Branch. Let's love. Let's be kind. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you, brother. Just remember that we have a great sin collector who has gone before us. We have a God who has collected all of our sins, past, present, and future, and he paid the ultimate price on the cross. He paid what we owed. Remember that as you go through your life this week, that the great sin collector has paid the ultimate debt. We couldn't afford it. The wages of sin was death. But the gift of God, the gift of our son Jesus, who has immeasurable riches of kindness stored up for us, God's gift towards us is forgiveness. It's grace through the cross. Just want to challenge you to receive that gift, accept that gift if you haven't. Receive that gift of salvation in your life, just like Zacchaeus did that day. We don't know what happened to him after that, but I'm pretty confident he spent the rest of his life showing the kindness of Jesus to people. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us for who we are, despite what we do at times, God. Thank you for your reckless love. Thank you for 
the immeasurable riches of your kindness poured out on the cross. And God, you, you give us fourfold, tenfold, a hundredfold. You give us endless amounts of forgiveness and grace and second chances. Thank you, God, for not kicking us while we're down. But thank you for picking us up and dusting us off and calling us your son and your daughter. Thank you for calling us down from that tree and inviting us into a relationship with you. God, may we display your kindness. May we live in such a way to display your kindness to those around us this week. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.